Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Ben Cafardo on behalf of ESPN, and I want to welcome you to the ESPN MLB Media Conference Call. We're here to discuss the start of the 2018 baseball season. Uh, this year, ESPN will televise more than 100 regular season games, including uh, four opening day telecasts this Thursday, March 29th. Our full schedule with all of our coverage plans, commentator assignments, uh, and additional pieces of content will be outlined in a press release going out this afternoon, and it will also be available on ESPNMediaZone.com. I want to thank members of the media for joining the call today. Uh, today on the line, we're joined by World Series champion, three-time MLB All-Star, five-time Gold Glove winner, Mark Teixeira. Mark is a Baseball Tonight analyst for ESPN, now entering his second season with us. Uh, thank you, Mark, for joining. And in case you hadn't received our updated media advisory, uh, David Ross had a last-minute flight change and is currently about 30,000 feet in the air. Uh, but in his place, and this is very timely, we have our newest ESPN Baseball Tonight analyst, World Series champion manager, John Farrell. We're excited to have John here at ESPN, bringing a wealth of experience and managerial perspective to our telecast. Uh, John is also an advisor with the Cincinnati Reds, and in case you missed it, it was announced that he joined uh, our company on Friday. So John and Mark will regularly appear together on Baseball Tonight, Sunday Night Countdown, which is a Sunday night baseball pregame show, generally starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. And uh, John will make his debut uh, with Mark uh, on Wednesday at midnight on ESPN's uh, Baseball Tonight 2018 season preview show. And the duo uh, will be part of our studio coverage uh, throughout the day on Thursday, opening day, and again on Sunday for the first Sunday night baseball telecast of the season. Just one more note, if you have any questions or had any questions, rather, for David Ross, please contact me after today's call at ben.cafardo at ESPN.com, and we'll do our best to set up some time with you and David this week. There will be a transcript of today's call issued uh, in a couple of hours uh, after the conclusion of the, the call, and it will also be available on ESPNMediaZone.com. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. Let's go right into your questions. Uh, we'll open with Ben Walker at the Associated Press, followed by Neil Best at Newsday. Ben. Thank you, Ben. A question for John Farrell. John, what do you hope to bring to the telecasts, and how are you preparing for this role? Yeah, Ben, I hope to bring a, uh, certainly a manager's perspective. So, uh, in-game decisions that might be going on in the moment uh, or, or review uh, of what might have taken place on a game that we're providing some analysis of, uh, either just recently completed or going into. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that's a pretty unique position given uh, the set of experiences in Boston and Toronto leading up to this. Uh, but in preparation for it, uh, this has been a lot of uh, reading and studying on the changes around the game, changes around individual clubs. Uh, and just being as versed uh, as possible uh, in advance of the first outing. And, John, let me ask you, you know, it's always a very – it can be a tough role, certainly, for a player or a manager, a coach, who gets in a role now where he might have to, you know, nationally criticize 
someone who's a friend or a teammate or somebody he went you know, he played with or, or, or knows pretty well. Do you think that will be a difficult transition to make for you? I don't, uh, and I think in the in the light of fairness and, and calling the game for what it is, uh, I think there's ways to be very objective, be, be candid uh, without being personal. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that challenge. It'll be the first time in this position to take on that role, to highlight certain things that either have or have not taken place inside the lines. But uh, to be objective, to be fair, uh, that is the goal, to add something to the telecast. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Let's go to Neil Best with Newsday, followed by Dan Martin with the New York Post. Uh, this is for Mark. Um, obviously, as you're aware, playing first base is not as easy as many people think it is. Um, ha- how important is Greg Bird's uh, health and success this year, both defensively for the Yankees and also in terms of, you know, providing some, uh, you know, lineup balance uh, with with the, all those righties? Yeah, Neil. I mean, I, I think Greg Bird has has shown flashes of brilliance in his young career and. And we saw, you know, in, in the playoffs last year, when he's healthy, he's he is lethal. Uh, and especially that balance that he provides as a left-handed bat at Yankee Stadium is really important. Um, I don't think that the Yankees are going to be hurt by, uh, you know, missing a few games as many teams could be. You know, Neil Walker was brought on to be, you know, maybe that super utility guy. He's got plenty of experience, um, you know, in the big leagues and in big markets. Uh, and what I saw from him at, at first base in Tampa when I was down there a few days, he'd be fine to, to handle that job for a few days. You have Tyler Austin, who's had some success uh, in the minor leagues and the big leagues that can handle it. I think the biggest question is if this becomes a problem for the rest of his season or the rest of his career, um, then you're really missing out on, on a really important talent and, and an important bat in that lineup. So I think all Yankee fans are holding their breath right now. Rufus, are you there? Yes, sir. Please go ahead. Okay. Seemed like some folks had some trouble calling in. Uh, let's go to Dan Martin with the New York Post, followed by Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe. Hey, Mark. Uh, Dan Martin from the Post. Uh, just wanted to follow up on Neil's question, uh, and you kind of touched on it there. How, how much of a concern should this be for the Yankees just that you know, this is similar to what he dealt with last year and obviously a lot different than what he dealt with the year before. But with Greg uh, just constantly having these injuries that seem to uh, to, me, to be nagging and, uh, and really affecting his career so far. Yeah, Dan, that's a great point. Um, I, I would be very concerned, unfortunately. Um, you know, when you have one injury, you know, you can kind of brush it aside even two. But when things keep popping up, when things become – um, an issue it seems over and over again, you do start worrying um, and and this isn 't we 're not talking about a thirty five year old at the end of his career. Uh, you expect those things from older players. This is a guy who 's just started his career you know three hundred at bats in the big leagues, and so you do worry that um, maybe he 's either the most unlucky player in baseball or there 's something um, physically that that he 's not able to heal as as well as some players and and i 've seen it throughout my career, uh, guys that just they work their tail off and they're in shape and they try everything they can, but they just seem to get hurt over and over again. And you see it more and more with pitchers than position players, but uh, again, I, I hope that's not the case with Greg, but the Yankees should be concerned here. Have you, uh, I know you've, you've had some, somewhat of a relationship with him and, and saw him in Tampa. 
uh, and, you know, he, and he had a, a healthy spring up until this. Did you have any sense that he was concerned or had any anything weighing on him? Because uh, the stats weren't great this spring, but did you get a sense that he felt good before this you know, this latest setback here? Yeah, I didn't get a sense that anything was physically wrong, um, but he was definitely grinding at, at the plate, as, as a lot of players do early in spring. I mean, spring training, um, there are some ugly numbers out there from, from good players. Um, I had plenty of springs that I, you know, that I hit under 200 and you know, maybe one home run, and, and then you get into the, the, the groove of a season and everything's fine. So to me, you know, you know, Birdie was just kind of grinding over his at-bats and trying to get his timing. I did not get any sense that it was physical. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Let's go to Nick Cafardo with the Boston Globe, uh, followed by Al Yellen with SB Nation. Yes. Uh, hi, John. How are you? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? Good. And Mark, how are you? Good. Thank you. Yeah, if you guys could both comment on this, uh, uh, John, first for you, uh, I think you know what I'm going to ask. Uh were you surprised that you were let go by the Red Sox? And were you also surprised by the Yankees letting Joe Girardi go? And, Mark, if you could comment on both as well. You know, Nick, I, this has been a, a unique offseason in many ways, uh, whether it's been managerial changes to the free agency uh, situation that somebody find themselves, you know, still on the outside looking in. Uh, you know, if you finished in first place last year, you were twice as likely to be fired as if you finished in last place. So <laughs> from that perspective, yeah, a little bit of a uh, surprise that a change was made. But uh, I, I do know that, you know, Dave came in and I was in, he inherited me. Uh, so he felt like there was a, a change to be needed because we, you know, we made quick exits, the, the two years consecutive winning the division and then going into postseason. Uh, so, the expectation as it is every year, whether it's New York, Boston, or, or L.A., Chicago, to go deep uh, in the October run, we didn't do it. Uh, so I think as the, as the season wore on and as we got down to the final weeks, uh, maybe there was a little bit of a gut feeling like, uh, you know what, this might be might be taking place, and it did. So wish Alex Clore and everybody all the best there going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with, with I agree with John that this is a, a completely different ball game uh, nowadays. You know, when I first came up um, in, in the early 2000s, the front office was never in the, the locker room, the clubhouse. There were not analytical folks, um, you know, throwing papers in your face every day. It was, you know, quote unquote old school, and and the the manager kind of ran the show. That's not the case anymore. And and when you have a, a front office that has a philosophy or, or wants to put together their group of guys, sometimes managers get pushed out, not because of anything that they've done, but just because that the front office has put together uh, a system in place uh, and, and sometimes they want their own guy in there. I think in the Yankees' perspective, Joe had a, a great run there and, and everyone respected Joe, everyone liked Joe, but with the young crew that was coming up, the baby bombers, if you will, um, you know, I think Joe's intensity was, was a little much for guys, and, and I think that, that the front office noticed that when young talent comes up, you, you want to play loose. You want to have fun, and, and maybe they just wanted a, a new a fresh face in there, a fresh voice, and Aaron Boone was that fresh voice. So it's not, uh, it's, I don't think it is an indictment on Joe Girardi as a manager. I think it's just the clubhouse culture that the Yankees wanted. Thank you. 
Thank you. Let's go to Al Yellen with SB Nation, followed by Mark Carrig with The Athletic. Al. Good morning, uh, uh, John and Mark. Uh, I'd like to get both of your perspectives on uh, the Chicago Cubs for this season, where you see them uh, standing uh, now a year removed from their World Series championship, and uh, just some analysis on players and management there. You know, this is, obviously to me, this is a team that's probably got the, the inside track on winning the division once again. Uh, a, another year of development with a core group, you know, much as Mark talked about the young players in New York coming together. Uh, when you look at Chicago, all of a sudden this is the third consecutive year that you've got uh, probably five or six everyday players that are uh, in the lineup day in and day out. Uh, Joe Madden does a great job of always making in-season adjustments and, and tweaking his message to the team or, or the, the makeup of that given team. But to me, it comes down to this, and he's going to be a guy that's leading them off in the rotation. And if John Lester can bounce back uh, to, a, I think, a year performance somewhere between the last two, uh, he will certainly uh, you know, lead that staff. Jake Arrieta is going to be a huge loss for them. Uh, but they're going to find ways to, to make up those innings. Uh, but to me, John Lester and Hendricks, uh, Hendrickson are the two guys that will lead the way for them. Yeah, I agree. I think this team's going to be really good. Uh, I think you saw a little bit of that World Series hangover last year, but by the end of the season, they were still right there um, you know, in the NLCS and, and had a chance to, to go into the World Series again. I think you're going to see better seasons from Addison Russell and, and Ben Zobrist. Those guys did not perform up to their capability. Um, I think you're going to have uh, a pitching staff that's going to be a little bit better rested because they didn't throw so many innings late in the season. Um, so I would not be surprised if this team gets back to the World Series. Thank you. You're listening to the ESPN MLB Start of Season Media Conference Call with Mark Teixeira and John Farrell. Let's go to Mark Carrig at The Athletic, followed by Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay Times. All right. I had a question for both of you guys. I'll start with Mark first. You were on that 9 team with the Yankees that had massive expectations. Obviously, you guys found a way to deal with that. How do you think you were able to get through that time, and does this current team face a similar level of expectation? I, th- I think the current team definitely faces those expectations, Mark. I think the only difference is, you know, the, the veteran leadership that we had in 2009, and I was kind of a tweener there. I was 29 years old, you know, kind of in the smack middle of my career, um, and so I could relate to the young guys and the old guys, but we had – four or five veterans in there that had won multiple championships. And that was really important, I think, for our team. Just, you know, knowing whenever you had a a tough game uh, or or a tough road trip or in the playoffs when you lost a game, that stay the course. And I think that the last season, what the Yankees went through will give them a little bit of a boost um, for this season. I still think the Astros are the best team in in baseball uh, and obviously the American League. So, while the expectations are high for the Yankees, they still have a little bit of a hill to climb to, to overtake the Astros. Okay, and I assume you felt a little bit different in 09 then because it seemed like when you guys made that push to get all these players, you included, I think a lot of folks were thinking these guys are the best team in the American League. Do you remember it that way too, Mark? I do. I remember us thinking we were the best team in, in the American League, but I also remember the Red Sox were really good that year, and I think the Red Sox mm-hmm. beat us maybe – 
eight or nine straight to start to start the season uh, when we were playing those guys. So the world was falling apart, and the Yankees weren't as good as everyone thought we were going to be. But we never stopped believing in ourselves. And when you looked at that lineup, uh, you know, at, at any given day, we had eight or nine all-stars in that lineup. And that's, that's tough to beat. Uh, and then you add the starting staff with Mariano Rivera at the back end of the bullpen. We knew how good we were. Mm-hmm. And then, John, we've asked a version of this question to a lot of current and former managers. But what do you remember about your first opening day? What would you tell that guy if you could go back in time now about how to handle what's coming? And then the last part of that is there's a bunch of new managers out there. What are they not going to see coming that's going to be a tough thing that they're going to have to learn moving forward? Well, let me, let me answer the, the second one first. Uh, there's no way that you can predict uh, the challenges that a team is going to face. There's going to be injuries that crop up that you had no clue on in spring training. You know, much, uh, you know, Aaron's dealing with the bird situation. He knows that before the first pitch is thrown of the season. But uh, things are going to get thrown at uh, Alex Cora, Aaron Boone, uh, a number of guys that are, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia. There, there's going to be things that come down their way. And a large part's going to be dealing around injury and how that roster adjustment uh, and the turnover is going to take place. And I think as guys have just put spring training behind them uh, and they look upon their team and they're envisioning how, how the, maybe the, the characteristic or the, what that team is going to be known for, they're trying to shape that through the latter part of spring training. Uh, so as they go into opening day, uh, there's thousand thoughts that are running through their mind about what's upcoming, what they're trying to get accomplished. But if there's a way that they can step back and enjoy the first one, uh, it is a special day. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. We'll go to another Mark. Mark Topkin with Cafe Five, uh, followed by Chris Monagle at WFAN. Mark. Hi. Thank you. Hey, John. Hey, Mark. And uh, Tex, too, I guess. But I'm just trying to do a story on Chris Archer, and he talks a lot about wanting to, you know, be get to that final level to be in that, you know, Scherzer, Kershaw, elite level, you know, true ace. And I know that you can have that argument all day long, how many really true aces are there. But what, what defines that guy for you guys? What defines that true ace? Well, I think it's, it's the starting pitcher that answers the bell in terms of workload, consistent performance, uh, and there's really the, the in-between starts that has a direct effect on those two taking care of your routine, uh, making sure that your preparation, both physically and from a mental game planning standpoint, is locked solid, uh, locked down solid, because I think it's much more difficult to be able to be that ace and be that lead guy in today's game with all the technology that is available. So your execution has got to be that much more consistent. Uh, So to me, it comes down to paying the price and sacrificing uh, for that mindset or that goal of being – a number one guy that can be looked upon with the likes of whether it's Scherzer, Sale, Price, CC Sabathia. Those guys uh, have done it for years. But to me, Chris Archer's got to take that next step uh, and avoid maybe some of those peaks and valleys. Thank you. Tech, what do you think? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the consistency is the number one uh, thing about a, an ace. You know, hitters – over 162 when you pitch or when you, you play every single day, you're going to have lots of ups and downs. And, you know, if, if a, the number three hitter goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, you can still win. 
when your ace is on the mound, you can't have him, you know, blowing up games and having duds because if, if your team, especially if your team is struggling, if your team is struggling and you have your ace on that mound and he gives up six runs in, in an inning and a third and you got to go to your bullpen, that's a deflating experience for the entire team. So for me, when, when you are a consistent guy that, that every time out or nine out of ten, you're going out there and giving your team six-plus innings and keeping your team in every single game, that's the true definition of an ace for me. And, and I guess as a quick follow-up, where does Archer fit on that scale for you? To me, I think he is in, in the, the second level of conversation. You know, he's, he's not – we, we throw that, that word ace around way too much. There's probably 10 to, to 15 true aces in, in all of baseball. Uh, every team does not have one. And I think, you know, the, the, the next 10 to 15 guys, I'll put Chris Archer in that group. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. We're rounding third here, to use a baseball term. Uh, let's go to Chris McMonagall at WFAN Sports Radio. Chris, are you there? Chris. His line is open. Chris may just be recording or listening in. Okay. Uh, really quickly, uh, let's go over to, uh, again, over to Al Yellen at SB Nation. Uh, Al, if you have a follow-up. Um, I, well, I can ask John Farrell uh, for his uh, personal scouting report on his son, Luke, who is now uh, in the Cubs organization. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, a guy that I think has handled so much change, you know, four different organizations last year, he was in the, the transaction turnstile from getting claimed so many times. But uh, I think someone who's got an idea of himself as a pitcher, uh, an improving breaking ball, uh, average, average velocity, but uh, the versatility to, to be a swing guy, pitch out of the bullpen or in a starting role, uh, and hopefully that opportunity knocks. But, um, yeah, I think a guy that's starting to come into his own and more than anything knows what his limitations are as a pitcher. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And we'll go back uh, quickly to Mark Carrig at The Athletic for a follow-up. Mark. When I asked about opening day, and you said that was a special day, a lot of guys said it was a blur and I had a hard time remembering details about it. Others <clears throat> remembered a lot about it. I was wondering – what you remembered about your experience uh, standing on that line for the first time on opening day as a manager? Oh, it, 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 like I said before, there's a number of things that uh, that flash through uh, the, the days leading up to it, and then when you're announced, uh, I think there's a there's a culmination of a lifelong journey, particularly as a post playing career. You go through a coaching role as a pitching coach, in my case, and then taking on an opportunity to lead a team. And this was Toronto in, in 2011 in the first year. Uh, but uh, standing in the line, knowing that you had a day to share with your family uh, and, and the people that have traveled that path with you, uh, it is a fairly surreal moment. But, um, you know, again, you, your, your thoughts probably have to change quickly. As soon as that anthem is finished and over, uh, your, your sight certainly set or, or turned to uh, taking care of the game at hand. Thank you, John. Yep. Thank you. We're almost a half hour in. We're just going to finish up uh, with two more follow-ups. Uh, Nick Cafardo at the Boston Globe first, and then Neil Best at Newsday. 
yes, John. Uh, what exactly uh, is your role with the Reds, and uh, how did that come about? It's uh, scouting our, uh, the, the red system and, and more focus on pitching, Nick. Uh, this is, a, I think, a team with a lot of good young talent, good young arm strengths uh, that, like every team, uh, is, that is trying to transition young pitchers to the big leagues, how you can uh, give some input and make recommendations along the way. So uh, I reached out to four or five teams uh, with this thought in mind. Uh, they were the team that showed most interest in conversations uh, when I was out uh, visiting my two sons in Arizona earlier uh, in the spring, a chance to sit down with Dick Williams and talk with him about this. Uh, it came to fruition and, and just finished 10 days with them in spring training as of yesterday. Will you do actual instruction on the field or, or just advice? Or? No, this is a non-uniform uh, position. Mm-hmm. So it's, like I said, more evaluation and, and recommendation from a development plan standpoint, but the focus being at the upper levels, from the young guys that are in Cincinnati through Louisville and down to Pensacola uh, in the Southern mm-hmm. League. So uh, that's where the focus is. And do you know what your schedule will be? Is it pretty much what you want it to be, or how will that work? Uh, yeah, it's it's to be coordinated with the, the pro scouting department, but uh, likely two cities a month, uh, five days east to see the rotation through and, and get a feel for those uh, individuals at, at those various clubs. So uh, it'll be two five-day trips uh, during each month. Thank you. And Neil Best at Newsday. This is for Mark. Now that you're a TV veteran, uh, how do you think that Alex is going to do in ESPN's booth this year? I think Alex is going to do great. We've we've always talked about Alex, you know, loving the game of baseball and and really being able to articulate his uh, you know his view of the game and and knowing how to talk to people. So, you know, Alex, I've, I think has has shown his chops on Fox for the last couple of years in postseason, and and he'll bring a, a you know kind of a, a different type of of insight and energy to that booth on Sunday night, and I think ESPN's lucky to have him. Thank you. Thank you, Neil, and thank you to Mark and John for going about 30 minutes with us this morning to start the Major League Baseball season. Um, Again, we will have a transcript of this call available shortly. Uh, It'll be issued in a press release, and it will also be available on ESPNMediaZone.com, and you uh, you can check out Mark and John on baseball tonight, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday, and this Sunday. So they'll be all over your screens for opening week. So thank you again, and enjoy the start of the season.